The reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced shameful and secret ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just as a way into our theme this morning, actually, I want to um, interview a couple of people. They're very ordinary people, but they're doing something quite extraordinary in the service of God. So if Richard and Jan would like to come and join me up here. Many of you will know uh, Richard and Jan, but uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about them and what they do uh, now in these next, uh, next few minutes. If you'd like to uh, grab a seat there. So, Rich and Jan, now you'll need to use the microphone, Jan, I know you've got a great voice, but uh, you'll need to use the microphone, so uh, we'll try and keep you in order this morning. Um, we would love to hear a little bit more about what you're doing out in Kumi in Uganda. So, um, first of all, Richard, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be involved in the work with Mission Direct? Uh, my first involvement was uh, at a Greenbelt Festival in 2006. Um, I was walking too slowly and someone grabbed me and said, come and talk to me. Uh, and that led me to being uh, a volunteer on two-week mission trips in uh, Cambodia, Zambia and Zimbabwe with Mission Direct uh, over the, the, the next few years. Um, my life circumstances uh, changed dramatically and in 2013, uh, I took extended leave and a sabbatical for work, to work for Mission Director in Kenya uh, that year. Uh, returned to work in October, lasted one week, handed my resignation in, and in 2014, uh, uh, since then, I've been uh, overseas with Mission Direct every year. Uh, and an additional blessing is uh, since then, Jan agreed to 
one, marry me, and two, join me in mission. So it's wonderful. Fantastic. And I think, you know, often in these mission slots, we hear quite a bit about, you know, what people are doing and things out there. But we want to get behind that, really, this morning. So can you tell us a little bit um, about what it is that motivates you in this work with Mission Direct? I'll say good morning again so you can hear me. So good morning. Uh, what motivates us is we have had some quite sad periods in our lives, as some of you know, but um, through it all we've been richly blessed and we are exceedingly blessed now. We realise we are so fortunate in so many ways. So what we're trying to do in some small way is pay back um, by blessing others in the way that we have been so blessed. And Paul was very impressed. I've actually got a couple of Bible verses. So in James chapter 2, it actually says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith itself, it, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And that's why we're doing it. Hopefully we are displaying some faith in action by what we do in Kumi. Great. And tell us a little bit about the things you've been most encouraged by over these past few years in Kumi. Um, the, the main thing that encourages uh, us is that the partners we work with out there, they, they've become personal friends. You know, and this is my sixth year there. Um, Mission Direct and us, we're now part of the community there. Um, the, we get to learn very closely the challenges the partners face uh, as and the community faces, they try and serve the poor, poorest there. You know, they, they have an absolute determination um, to help people in need, to bless people despite lack of funds or resources. Um, and building those lasting relationships is a, is a great encouragement. These partners are inspirational. Uh, and the people uh, they serve, the, the, some of the poorest, they don't deserve pity. They, just deserve a great deal of respect and admiration for how they live their lives in, in spite of all the difficulties. Very quickly, but the, the, the second thing that was really encouraging was the porridge funds started by volunteers from Christchurch. Mm. Um, so since the beginning of last year, uh, we've just been giving children at the school a, a mug of porridge every morning. Uh, the fund was so successful, we were able to be, start giving them lunch uh, every day. So this costs about 15p a day per person and the change in the exam results has been incredible. Um, so they were getting two or three Division 1 passes a year, now they're getting 15 just because children are not studying hungry. It's amazing isn't it, just yeah. how something so small can make, uh, make such a, a difference. Yeah. Yeah. What about for you Jan? <clears throat> well for me the thing that motivates me is the people out there um, I always say, and sorry, I know a number of you have heard this before, they have nothing, but they have everything. Um, they have so much joy because they love the Lord. We have more stuff in our one room in Kumi than most families have in all of their, their, their total lives. The other thing, very briefly, because I know we've only got two minutes, Paul, is um, we 
I have been inspired by the volunteers that have come out. Um, some of them have come out very timid. They've never been properly abroad before. And by the end of the two weeks, they've been doing things that they never thought they'd be able to do. Uh, we have seen people come to faith. We've seen people have their faith renewed. It's just been absolutely amazing. So we are truly blessed, and that's what motivates us. Brilliant. And it's been great that so many people from Christchurch have been out over these last few years and been part of the uh, projects out there. And Christchurch has always also supported financially through the mission tithe as well. How has that made a difference to the ministry out there, Richard? Uh, uh, the first thing I want to say is that uh, Jan and I are self-funding. We don't get paid anything for our work out there, and we have to fund all our own costs. Uh, the, the mission tithe from Christchurch, every pound of that has gone towards... Uh, the building projects out there. So after uh, over the last three years, we've built seven classrooms, a very overcrowded school, uh, and that's made a, a big difference. Uh, I'd also like to say we've had massive support from many individuals uh, in, in the congregation, both in terms of uh, finance for partners, uh, for uh, aid they've given us to take out, We've been covered in prayer magnificently uh, over the years. And also we have four mission champions here who, who keep in touch with us and the church while we're away. So uh, Liz and Mike Parsons and Dave and Kathy Prosser, they're a great blessing and support to us as well. Great. And just a little bit more about the differences making on the ground, this financial support from Christchurch. Um, well, the, the school has... Uh, 1,100 pupils, uh, so when we first uh, went there, they had seven classrooms, uh, so now they've, after this year, what, seven, yeah, we doubled the, doubled the number of the classrooms, so the class sizes uh, are, are halving. Uh, the, the demographic of Uganda is that half the population is under the age of 15, all right, and the population will double in the next 20 years. You don't have to do maths to work out the need for classrooms. Yeah, yeah. And going forward, there are plans to do more of the same at uh, another school nearby as well, aren't there? Yes, so um, God willing, next year we will be doing our fourth and final year at Bazaar School. And there we are going to be building some teachers' homes. And by teachers' homes, I'm talking about one room with a small cooking area outside at the back and a pit latrine. I'm not talking about a nice three-bedroom semi in, in Downend. So, and the reason we're doing that is that teachers come from all over the country. They're not local people, so they need somewhere to live. So that's 2020. Again, God willing, in 2021, we are going to move to another school, which interestingly was set up by missionaries in 1926. It's attached to St. Stephen's, which is a Church of Uganda church. And there, the first thing we're going to do is, again, build some teachers' homes, because actually some of the teachers are um, living, if you can call it living, in the classrooms there. So we're going to build some homes, and then once they're out of those, we'll start to renovate some of the classrooms, because actually no work has been done on them since 1926. So you can imagine the state they're in. 
So that's what we plan to do. But who knows what's going to happen this afternoon. So, Great. Okay. Well, f uh, thank you so much for sharing with us. I mean, uh, time's gone now, but um, there's an opportunity to hear a lot more about what Richard and Jan are involved in and the work of some of our other mission agencies at the African evening, which is taking place uh, down at the church centre in Quakers Road in two weeks' time. So Saturday, the 30th November, Jan and Richard have tickets. Do talk to them afterwards. They've also done uh, a sort of handout with a little bit more detail uh, about their work. But uh, thank you so much, and let's continue to be committed to praying for them as uh, two quite ordinary people are doing something quite extraordinary for God. So thank you. Really, that serves as a backdrop for what I want to say this morning, and I don't want to speak for, for too long, but we, over these last few weeks, or over the next few weeks as well, are looking at some chapters from this book, which is called Everyday God. It's by Paula Gooder, and um, it's a very ordinary little book in many ways. The front cover has a picture of an ordinary tree in an ordinary field, and a very ordinary line of washing hung out to dry. It's expressing a very day-to-day -day nature of our lives, and the subtitle of the book is The Spirit of the Ordinary. And uh, you and I are pretty ordinary when it comes down to it. Um, much of our life, much of our lives is very ordinary. Commuting, cooking, washing, cleaning, admin and organization, so much that is very mundane in many different ways. Uh, not many of us have the supermodel looks of the Love Island contestants. Not many of us have great wealth, record-breaking levels of ability, exceptional intelligence. Any exceptions, please bear with me. You help us to revel in our ordinariness. We are dots on an immense planet. In the next week or so, the world population will pass seven and three-quarter billion and the population grows by 225,000 every single day of our lives. Each one of us, just one mere individual amongst seven and three-quarter billion, living ordinary lives. And Paul, in that reading we had from 2 Corinthians 4, equates us to jars of clay. That is not a particularly flattering description. Have you ever thought of yourself as a jar of clay? Every day, flawed, nothing special, quite practical, but disposable, perhaps used for carrying water, for storing food. And yet, as these jars of clay, God values us in our diversity, in our uniqueness, and in our very ordinariness loves us as individuals, and calls us to live extraordinary lives. And he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. God has done something quite extraordinary for us, hasn't he? In sending his son to die for us, raising him to new life. And knowing we are loved by God, knowing that we're accepted in our frail humanity, knowing that we're forgiven through Jesus' work on the cross, sets us free to truly live and to rise above the ordinary, displaying his treasures and expressing his life. 
And as we express his risen life, we help others see and experience what Paul terms the glory of Christ. Others can begin to see beyond our ordinariness and through our ordinariness to God's extraordinariness. For in living, we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. We see that in the disciples, don't we? The most ordinary, flawed jars of clay and the way in which God takes them and uses them as they make themselves available to him. We've just heard from Jan and Richard. Jan and Richard don't particularly stand out in a crowd. They have fairly ordinary lives at home. They've experienced their fair share of heartache. They'd acknowledge that they're far from perfect. But they've been open to God's prompting. And in their ordinariness, God's treasure has shone through. And they've taken on this role as in-country directors in Kumi with Mission Direct. But forget the Africa bit, because obviously that's not everyone's call. The fact is that Richard and Jan have simply been obedient to God's promptings. And that is all he asks of us. Obedience to his call. And in their ordinariness, God is using them. And in our ordinariness, God wants to use us. And often the extraordinariness and the outworking of obedience is demonstrated in our living the every day. And so we meet Christ in the extraordinary commitment of parents bringing up a child with a severe physical disability or the challenge facing the challenges of autism. In their sacrificial lives and the resilience they demonstrate, the patience, the compassion, the wholehearted love. And then the ordinary becomes quite extraordinary in the man or woman who impacts the culture of their workplace through the way in which they treat their staff or concerns they show for their colleagues' well-being. Being Christ, demonstrating Christ in ordinary, everyday situations, but in extraordinary ways. Caring for an elderly relative, giving generously of our time, money, resources to further God's work in the world, battling through the challenges of mental health struggles and seeking to keep God at the very center of our lives. As we've already heard, tomorrow four very ordinary members of our congregation are doing something extraordinary in that they're standing up in front of a crowd of people confirming their faith and being confirmed in that faith by Bishop Lee over at Longwell Green. Sue, Tim, Richard and Amy, they're doing something that's countercultural. They're saying, not I, but Christ. All of these things are pretty ordinary in many respects. None of them particularly unique. They're situations replicated all over the world. And yet they're express expressing that treasure, treasure emanating from jars of clay, expressing God's kingdom values to the world. And these sorts of things are attainable for every single one of us. As we take hold of God's treasure and as we open ourselves to how he might use us and shine through us. And so whoever we are, wherever we are, God calls us to a life less ordinary. This is a great little book and I'd uh, commend it to you. 
we chose to look at it in this particular season because, believe it or not, those of you who aren't Anglican, this season of the church's life, which runs from sort of Pentecost-ish onwards through to the beginning of Advent, is known as ordinary time. <laughs> it recognizes the fact that life isn't all about festivals and celebration the whole time. Much of life is ordinary and seemingly mundane. And yet God calls us to extraordinary living. And I just want to read a couple of paragraphs just to finish from this book, which really sum up what we're about this morning. God both loves us exactly as we are and summons us to a deeper and richer expression of ourselves. God both calls us as we are and sends us to do things which we would say are far beyond us. God both loves ordinariness and at the same time summons us to extraordinariness. Aspects of the extraordinariness to which God summons us are to be found in the living out of our Christian calling day by day and week by week. What this calling looks like in practice will be different for each person and requires a lifetime of prayerful discernment to come close to working it out. But some of the markers of this kind of living include being prepared to be sent by God before we think we're ready, being people who dedicate ourselves to giving and accepting forgiveness, joining in with the vocation of being Christ's body on earth, and offering our gifts, whatever they are, for its welfare, bearing the weaknesses of those we consider weaker than ourselves and being transformed by them, and seeking a way of life or lifestyle which reveals God's essence in the world. There are many, many more markers of the extraordinary, ordinary lives to which God calls us. But these are quite a good place to start. So let's just be still for a few moments and just think about the week ahead. Perhaps the ordinary looking week ahead of us. And how God might call us to do or be something extraordinary. Just in simple ways, making a difference, expressing his treasure in the world.